Father, just give him glory. Come on, one more time. Give him a mighty, a mighty, a mighty, 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 and a praise. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your presence once again to give you all the glory and all the praise. You are mighty in your mighty working. There is none like you. We honor your presence. We honor you, Father. Open up the portals of glory. Reveal yourself to your people, Father. Move, Father, up and down the aisles and in the hearts of each and every one of us that are here today. Lord, not because of what we have done, but because of what you have done. We praise you and we lift your name up. We acknowledge your presence in this place. We give you all glory and all praise. It belongs only and only to you. Lord, we thank you right now for your healing power. We thank you for your power, Lord, to sustain even this world. We give you all glory and all praise. It belongs to you. And Father, let your name be exalted. Let everything else be silent. But let your name and let your praise be exalted. Because you are King and Lord of all. And we praise you and we thank you now and forever in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. Somebody tell somebody as you're being seated, God is a good God. And that he is a wonder. Amen. And we need to, as believers, we ought to always have a praise on our lips. We always should be ready to decree a thing. And we should always be ready to say a thing that's according to the word. That the word of the Lord may be in the atmosphere and that it will begin to work. Amen. God is a wonder. Amen. And um, as we are going on, and um, I'm going to be um, talking about um, spiritual authority. And today I'm going to be talking about how the flow in spiritual authority how the flow in it. Many of us are going through a lot of things in our lives, and, um, and some of it is unnecessary. Some of it is a test. Some of it is a trial. But many of the things that we go through is because of the fact that we don't know when to take the authority, and we can't discern if this is a test. We can't discern if it's something that the enemy is messing with, mis messing with us about. And we can't discern that. We can't sometimes don't even discern if it's a, a human emotional feeling that we're dealing with. And so I hope that um, as we go today and I tell you about um, how the flow and your authority, that you would take notes and write down uh, some of the things that we need to know. Um, I'm concerned today. I um, want to read something to you. I'm concerned today about our well-being and our, the way that we actually are um, receiving the word in the church today, just overall. Um, uh, Apostle Reed posted a, a capture by a man named B.H., and this, I think it's uh, Clement, and um, he is an Assembly of God pastor. He's passed away. But before he passed away, he made this, um, this um, expression and I think that is a true expression because um, of I've seen, and I'll say it like this, I've seen where the saints of God stood tests and stood trials. I've seen where they stood against any opposition and they came out on top. 
I've seen where they came to church and they may not know the Greek, they may not know the Hebrew, they may not know any of that, but they knew prayer. They knew that if the neology, if they knew, knew know anything else, they knew neology. They knew that God answered prayer. They knew that there was an authority in God and when they prayed, things happened. They had all night prayer meetings. They would shut the door and close in and for days and they would pray and the glory of God would come and they would be refreshed. They would be revived. Things that um, that was being held up was loosed. Those that had diseases and sicknesses because of the saints prayer, the bondages and the curses was lifted. All because of the fact that the, pray, the saints of God knew where the authority lied. It was in Christ. It was in their, part, their lifeline, which is prayer. And I'm concerned today that many of us have not really been um, taught. And that's the, the fault of the preachers, the fault of those that are in leadership, have not taught the saints of God how to stay how to stand against any opposition, how to stand against the things that are going on even inside of you, things that are taking place, and we fall victim to our emotions. We fall victim to the things that people say. And what he says here is that um, this pastor says, I have examined the evidence and found that our generation have experienced more hypocrisy than revival preaching salvation without repentance heaven without hell church membership without regeneration and the baptism of the holy ghost without the new birth we have filled the church with the unsaved now that's a hard statement because what he's actually saying is that we have preached the message of salvation, but we haven't asked people to repent. Amen. We have preached that heaven is the ultimate place that we ought to go and the ultimate place that we are prepared, but we have not given the others the alternative. We have not explained to them that hell is real. Hell is hot. Hell is a, 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 a eternal torment of your past. Amen. And that that if you go there, you'll dwell in that state forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And there's no end to it. It's a state of torment. Heaven is a state of joy and peace. And the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand pleasures forevermore. There's a place in heaven where we begin to learn more about God than we ever have before. And when we get to heaven, we're still going to learn about him because there's so many things that are untold about him that we don't even know. This is where you inherit your kingdom. Amen. Because you're kings and you're priests. Eyes have not seen, nor ears have heard, nor has entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for those that love him. But it says, but, but he has revealed them unto you, which means that there is a place that God has for you in eternity that's especially designed for you. And he wants you to go there because there's something that he wants you to do in eternity forever. 
Heaven is the place that you want to go. Hell is a place that have not been prepared for the human family. It's been prepared for the demonic realm. God purposed us and willed for us to go to an eternal place that we can sit in the place of joy and peace. When we talk about church membership, we have made the church a place of where we actually come and we fellowship, but we make it more of a meeting place and a place that we man meets God and God meets man. It's not just about membership. It's about learning who you are in Christ, being regenerated by learning the things that God would have you learn so that you can change your mind, change your attitude. Change the way in which we live. And I know that it's not popular, but it's true anyhow. It's a life of holiness. And holiness is not, not talking about a long dress. It's not talking about covering yourself all up and all that. Uh, uh, you know, you've got to dress properly. The Bible tells us that. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is that it's a place where we learn how to think like our Heavenly Father. How we act like him, talk like him, be like him. It's a place where we dump off the old things and put on the new things. For the Bible says that we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. And old things have what? Passed away. That's what the new birth is all about. The new birth talks about the fact that you're born again. You're a new creature. You don't live in this world like you lived before. You've been transported out translated out transported out of this world and placed in the kingdom of his dear son you're born again you're somebody in christ jesus you ought to say that with your mouth say i'm somebody in christ jesus say i'm christ i'm somebody in christ jesus you don't have to live the way that you're living we're living beneath our privilege and god has given us so many promises for the Bible says all promises are yea and amen, which means that all the promises that God has available to you are for you. And every person under the sound of my voice, you have the ability to obtain every promise in him because his word will not come, go back void, but it will accomplish where he sent it. And he promised you. He promised it. Somebody said he promised it to me. We don't have to live in lack. We don't have to live in despair. We don't have to live in the dungeons of darkness. We are free. For who the sun set free is what? Free indeed. How many know you're free indeed? You see how low that is? See, if somebody, if you were, if you were in jail for 100 years and they decided to let you out, and the first time you come out, you see the light, you're going to be full of joy. And we were in darkness. We were in sin. We were going to hell. But Jesus came and lifted us, transported us, lifted us out of the. When we couldn't do it ourselves, his hand came and grabbed us out and gave us a new chance and set us on a new plane. Aren't you glad about that? All the sins that we have committed from the day that we were born up to the day of salvation, he has thrown them away, never to be remembered no more. 
Never going to bring them back up. Never going to be judged by them because you cannot be held back. Enemy don't have nothing on you. Hallelujah. And even in your salvation, when we commit a sin, all you have to do is confess your sins. And he is just and rightness to do what? Forgive us and cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. That is a great thing. It is a great opportunity. People today don't believe in the God of our salvation. They're going to be mighty surprised when that day comes. They're going to be mighty surprised when they close their eyes and they wake up in eternal punishment. But it would be a great day for the saint of God that when we finish our work, we go into the presence of the Lord. And we enjoy all the blessings of eternity. Hallelujah. We don't have false hope. We have the hope. It's in Jesus Christ. He didn't die for, for nothing. He died to save us, deliver us, set us free, and change us. Hallelujah. And you ought to be glad about it. How many are glad about it today? Don't let the enemy take your joy from you. Don't let the enemy take away what God has given you through Jesus Christ. Don't let the enemy take away what the foundation that God has placed inside of you. Allow God to be in you. It's abiding presence. It has nothing to do with my feelings. It has nothing to do with my emotions. It has everything to do with my knowing. See, I know what he did for me. I know that he lifted me. I know that he changed my mind. I know that he changed my life. I know what I know because he's in me. He's dwelling within my soul. Hallelujah. Every so often, he makes me alive. I give me a little tuck, a little shake. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know I've got communication with him because I got the tongues of heaven. Hallelujah. When I need help, I just get on my knees and begin to pray. And the Holy Spirit and helps me to pray so I can hit the target all the time. That's why we need the Holy Ghost. That's why we need the burning fire in us. So when the fire begins to distinguish, there's a, so he blows his wind and the fire unites again. We need God. Somebody say, oh, we need God. If my people which are called by my name, if they would humble themselves and pray and they would turn from their wicked ways, then I would hear from heaven. See, a lot of times people are not praying and, that way, and that's why we can't turn from our wicked ways. You cannot pray and not change. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You cannot pray and not change. You're going to have an encounter with God if you pray. You got to go, you're going to have an encounter with God if you pray. But if you don't pray, you'll never get that encounter. You have to pray. My house shall be called the one. The house of what? Prayer. What does that mean? This means that it's my house that where I communicate with you. Where I said, come, let us reason together. Come so that we can talk about your issues and talk about what's going on with your life. Your God is great. He makes a personal relationship with every single person under the sound of my voice. There is no one that is more special than you in his eyes. 
And guess what? We're all special to him, just unique with him, all at the same time. That's how great our God is. You could be down, he'll pick you up. You could be sick, and he'll heal your body. You could be tormented in your mind, and he'll set you free. Hallelujah. The enemy can come at you one way, and he'll make them scatter seven ways because of his abiding presence in you. You ought to be glad that God saved you. You got to be glad that God take, took you from a pit, from the sentence of death through eternity and gave you life and gave it to you, as the Bible said, more abundantly. Right now, whether you experience abundant life in your natural life or not, you are sitting in abundance right now. And I'm going to just encourage you because I was encouraged. See, we all need encouraging sometimes. And I want to suggest to you a book by Sean Bowles called Heaven's Economy. And this book talks about how the angel of finance came to him. You see, when we talk about finance, everybody gets really excited and stuff like that. But, you know, when we talk about the, uh, ec the economics of God, you're not talking about just about finance, but you're talking about everything is available to you. Everything's available to you. Everything's available. Say, everything's available to me. You just got to know how to call it out of the spiritual because everything that is in the spiritual is already prepared for you. He talks about he goes up there and um, the angel comes down and has keys in his hand and comes down to visit him before he goes up into the heavenly realm. And he says, the Lord told me to give you some keys. And he took some of the keys off the chain and he left some keys in and he puts it in his chest. He said he felt his chest, the, the keys go into his chest, and then all of a sudden he's in the realm of heaven. And I really want you to get the book because I think it will help many of you that are struggling in many areas of your life. Because everything that, you, that God has for you is available up there. And things have your name on it, has dates on it, has, has, has the provisions already been made for you. And all you got to do is call them down. This is where your authority comes in. This is where your place comes in. This is where you, you, you can declare a thing and things will come to pass. But you, gotta, you, have a, you have a, and I have a responsibility of doing the things that God has told us to do. Things just don't happen. There's an enemy that's fighting against you. And there's two enemies that's fighting against you. And one of them you can look in the mirror and see them. That's one enemy. You just look in the mirror and you'll find that one. He's very easy to find. You can just look in the mirror and find him. Or find her. Just look in the mirror. And the other enemy is the enemy of the enemy, the, the devil. But isn't it something that we only, we have one victory in Christ Jesus and he can conquer all. Amen. God is good. So I just wanted to encourage you. So that you can understand, so as I'm talking to you about some of these things, you understand where I'm going. Everything, is in, everything that is in the heavenly realm is, is available to you. This is why the Bible says that he says that all, all, you know, everything in him is a in a man. All the promises of God is a in a man. Somebody said all my promises are a in a man which means they're all yours. You just have to call them down. You just have to have and understand your authority to call them down. 
Are you listening to what I'm saying? And it takes a responsibility on your part. Because God has already made everything available to us. It's already there. You don't have to call. You don't have to make it. It's there. Someone said, everything's available to me. You just have to walk on the authority by the word of God and call it down. And here's the other thing. You can't just call it down. Things are going to happen immediately. Some things are timed. Some things is for a appointed time. Some things are in time. And some things are on time. And you've got to wait for all of those things to, tra to transpire. So when you call it down, you call it down in thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you for the provision. I thank you for what you said. I thank you. See, all this pleading and begging and stuff like that, you got to stop. You're a son and a daughter of a king. You don't have to beg and, and squabble and all that. All you got to do is be grateful. There's a song that we used to say, be grateful. Be grateful unto him. Be thankful unto him for all the things that he has done. So you thank him for everything that he's made. You ought to thank him right now. While you're, while you're sitting there, you ought to thank him for your life. You ought to thank him for the strength. You ought to thank him for the things that have not come to pass yet. You ought to thank him that, Lord, I thank you for what you're going to do in my life. I thank you for the provision that's being made. I thank you, Father, for giving me a good, good sense. Hallelujah. And all things give thanks. Hallelujah. God is a good God. And he wants to do great and mighty things in you and through you because he loves you. Somebody say, he loves me. Amen. I know some of you even in here, even when you say that, you're not totally convinced. But here's one thing that you're still here. That's one thing because the devil could have took you out a long time ago. But God stopped him. You could be in a bad place today, but you're not. You're sitting in the house of the Lord, giving him praise and honor and glory. You could be going to the hospital. So many people this week have died. I know of six people that have died within one week. You don't know if you're going to be the next one. Because the Bible says tomorrow is not promised. It's not promised. So today, while you got life and breath in your body, you ought to make the day for him to give, give him praise. You ought to make this day the day that you give him praise. You ought to make this day the day that you honor him and praise him and glorify him. Don't put him on a time clock. Let him put you on his time. Because it's all about him. It's all about him. Somebody says it's all about, all about Jesus. It's all about you and me. And you got to fall in love with him. They were singing earlier. You got to literally fall in love with him. You got to have an encounter with him. Hallelujah. All right. So let's turn, first of all, to John 14. And I'm going to emphasize some things. And you need to write notes on this because I'm going to have to go through this fast. Because, I, um, again, I'm not going to be able to finish it. But I, I want you to uh, write the scriptures down so you can um, follow them. St. John chapter 14, and um, I'm going to start at verse number 6. It says, Jesus says unto him, I am the way, 
the, the life, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by what? By me. All right? Which means that Jesus is the only way in, and Jesus is the only way in which we have access to the ultimate authority. I understand that, you know, uh, the triune of God, I understand that, but I'm breaking it down so we can understand the order of God. How many know you got to have an order? When people are out of order, things are chaos. But God has an order to everything that he does, and there's an order to the realm of the spirit. There's an order to how miracles happen. There's an order to how healing happens. There's an order to how deliverance happens. Everything has an order. And because you don't know the order doesn't mean that it's out of order when it comes to the things of the spirit. God assembles things in his order and cater it to the person or persons he's dealing with. So there might be one order for you and another order for another person because you are unique. I'm going to say it again. You are unique. No one in here is the same. No one in here looks the same. No one here has the same personality. Even our children are different from the parents. Everything is unique in which God makes. This is why when we talk about the uniqueness of God, and this is one of the reasons why uh, Lucifer got ahead of himself. He got messed up in his head. The Bible says that um, Lucifer was the covering angel. And if you look at all the stones that he was made out of and the original form of all the stones in Ezekiel, I think chapter 27 or 28, it talks about every one of those stones, if you, in the original state of those stones, every stone was transparent. And the Bible talks about there's no man can approach in the, the light. No man can approach unto him because of the light. He dwelleth in the light that no man can approach unto. But the covering angel, when he covered him, and as many of us know, if you take a, a, a piece of glass or a piece of some transparent glass and put it over pure light, you're going to come up with more colors. And that's what Lucifer did. He covered him. He was one of the covering angels when he covered the glory of God, that the mercy of God came out and all that God is and who he is. And there was there was unseen colors, unseen, uh, uh, untold millions and trillions and untold colors because God is so diverse in who he is. You cannot explain him. You cannot come into any understanding of him because he's too great. If you can't explain him, that means you limit him. Y'all didn't hear me. If you can try to explain him, that means you've limited him. You can't explain him. Only thing is that we can do is analyze him and get what little knowledge that he allows us to get about him. But we do know that every person here is different. From the start of Adam to the last person that just born one minute, second ago, everybody's different. Okay, and so we need to know that, that everybody's different. This is how we need to understand part of the flow of the authority that we have. We need to know how to flow in the authority that God gave us based on who we are in him. Like we said in Bible class, you need to stay out of other people's lanes and stay in your own. Because if you try to flow in this person's flow, it's not going to work for you. You have to flow in your own flow. It'll work for you. Amen. 
There was a, there was a prophet that, that I met, and um, he would take his shoes off. Strange thing, wouldn't it be? Took his shoes off. He get, before he preached, he took his shoes off. And when he took his shoes off, the glory of the Lord came upon him. He was able to prophesy. When he put his shoes back on, he wasn't able to do nothing. That's the way God flowed in him. And, and God does unusual things. That's how you know that it's God. Because sometimes you can't explain why this person is doing what they're doing. Well, is God dwelling in them? And there's a sign. There is a wonder that God flows to them. So you understand it's God and not the person. Amen. And so there's a lot of things that we need to understand. Okay. He says, I know you that you should... If you have known me, you shall have known my father also, from whom thenceforth you shall know him and have seen him. And Philip says unto him, Lord, show us the father is sufficient if it suffice us. And Jesus said unto him, have I been so long with you that ye have yet not known me, Philip? He that have seen me have seen the father and how thou say then show us the father. In other words, when they were looking at Jesus, they were looking at the Father. There's a lot to go with that. You're supposed to be like the Father in character and power and demonstration and word and deed. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It isn't about physical looks. It's about character. Somebody say character. Word, deed, demonstration. And manifestation in power. We shall be like our Heavenly Father. Okay? And it goes on to explain. So if we're like our Heavenly Father, that means that the, the attributes that he have, we possess also. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and, or else believe me for my very work's sake. Verily I say unto you, he that believe on me, the works that I shall do, he shall do what? Also, greater works than these shall he do because I go to my father. And who shall say, ask in my name, that will I do, that the father may be glorified in the son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will what? Do it, right? I wonder why we, we split scriptures up. We take the things that we want, but the things that we don't want, we leave out. Notice what he says. Now, remember now, these are scriptures, and they're, 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 there's no separating them. If you take all the verses out, you're reading this as one long letter. He says, if you shall ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Notice the very second verse. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So right away, what he's telling you is that I will do anything, I will do anything for you in my name, just as long as you keep my commandments. Ain't nobody saying nothing, but it's true anyhow. Because if you keep his, if you keep his commandments, you're flowing in his mind. You're flowing in his character. You're flowing in his attributes. You're flowing in the things of the spirit because you have the mind of Christ. All right. Notice he says, 
If you love me, keep my commandments. I will pray the Father. He shall send you another comforter that he may abide with you. What? For what? Forever. That means that how many have the Holy Ghost? Y'all don't seem to be excited about it. How many have the Holy Ghost in the mighty burning fire? I got the Holy Ghost. I don't know about you, but I got the Holy Ghost. That means the Holy Ghost is going to bite with you forever. It's never going to leave you. Never, 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 never. He's with you forever. Worlds will pass. Universes are bad, but he'll bite with you forever. <laughs> you understand? Forever. He'll never leave you. He is yours. He abides within you. He dwells within you. He's yours forever. He'll never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. He'll be with you always. Always. He's there. Somebody said he's with me always. You'll never lose him. You will never, ever lose him. He's with you. He that abides in you. Is with you forever. <laughs> that, you ought to be excited about that. How do you think you're gonna get up? How do you think you're gonna get up? How do you think you're gonna get into heaven? How do you think of that? Because he's in you. You ought to be happy about it. You ought to be glad about it. I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come. To you, yet a little while the world shall see me no more, but you see me because I live. Because I live, you shall live also. You ought to be happy about that. You ought to be happy about that. You're living in you. Just think about it. He's in you right now, moving right now, ready to show you great things and mighty wonders. To use you for God's glory. And look what it says. At that day you shall know that I'm in the Father. And ye in me. And I in you. So the Father. Christ. And the Holy Spirit is in you right now. Right now, right now, he's right there, right here. I mean, you're talking about spiritual authority. How much more authority do you need? Seriously, how much more authority do you need? Anybody saying nothing? You can turn the world upside down with him abiding in you. Because he abides forever. And notice what this says. This is so great. St. John 14, 21. This is, this is where, where, where God showed up in my life. I was reading the scripture. I didn't really understand really what it meant. But when he showed up in my life, it changed me forever. And I go, he goes right back again to the secret, to the authority and accessing the authority. He that have my commandments. Now you gotta look at what he's saying. He that hath my commandments. Do you know what that means? Possess them. They're in you. 
Are you understand what? They're in you. He that have them. He's not even talking about walking in them right now. He's talking about having them. Look <laughs> what he says. And then he talks about if you have them and keep them. I told you the greatest weapon that you have is the word of God. He is he he it is that love me. I know a lot of people now, and I know I might get in trouble for this, but I really don't care. A lot of people say, I love the Lord. I love, really love him. I really love the Lord. But if I go by the word, how do I know that you love the Lord is that you what? You have his commandments and you keep them. Is he that loves me. Now, let me just get something because I know some people are going to say, well, th- what does that mean that I don't love the Lord? What it means is there's two things that you need to understand, first of all, is that, first of all, there is progression. Second of all, there is denial. If you love the Lord, that means you're going to press toward the mark of the Lord, which means that you're going to see what's wrong with you and you're going to take it off and put on the things that is right. That means you're going to keep stepping up and you're going to keep pulling off. and You're going to keep putting on. That means that if you find out that you're a liar, you're going to stop lying. And you're going to put on truth. And you're going to take off unrighteousness. That means that you're pressing toward the mark, which means that you're in line with the word. Now, if you're a liar, you never do nothing about it, then obviously you must not be in love with him. Because you don't have him. Because you're not keeping his commandments. You don't have the commandments, nor are you keeping them. You know how people know that you love them. There's an action behind it. Sometimes we talk too much and we don't show any kind of action. I, I'm, I'm preaching real good. That's okay. I don't have to say anything. But what you need to understand is that, you know, just saying thing don't really mean too much after a while when there's nothing back in what you say. Y'all ladies know that. You know, y'all talk about Valentine's Day and all that kind of stuff like that. Who you really love me. Where's my candy? <laughs> Valentine's come up and I got to hurry along and get candy. Everybody know that? So how is God going to know that you love him if you never keep his commandments? And anytime you keep his commandments, one of the things that he says about him is talk to me. Talk to me. This is why he emphasized my house shall be called the house of prayer because he wants you to talk to him. If you never talk to him, and I'm not talking about just talking to him and say, Lord, I lay me down to sleep. I'm talking about having a real conversation with him and say, Lord, I need your help. Send help from the sanctuary. Send help, Lord, because I need your help right now. Send it now. Folk want oil to flow on them, but they're not willing to be crushed to get the oil out of them. Ah, somebody ought to say hallelujah. Somebody, we don't want the we want the oil, but we don't want the crushing to get the oil. You got to go through something. 
You got to go through something. You cannot access authority until you get into the intimate place. See, some, some God, God is a wonder because sometimes he'll put you in the desert so you can get a desert experience so you understand that he is your source. So that you won't have to deal with your friends, your family, your husband, your wife. Sometimes he'll put you in a place of loneliness so that you could be crushed. Why did he want to crush me? Please tell me why. Because you need to change. I need to change. You need to change. Why do you think God want to put you alone? Because you need to change. We want to skip through here and have a good time, cast out devils, call the blind to see, call the dumb to hear. And we want everybody to say, oh, look at them. God's on them. But guess what? Your character is still bad. And I'm gonna just I'm just gonna tell you like it is. You cannot do you can people will never recognize who you are if your if your character doesn't show love. I've I, I, I people you can actually cast the demon out of a person, you can heal a person, but if you if you got a bad attitude, they remember they got delivered. Sometimes they say, well, I wonder who, when, when did that happen? But if you really show the love of God, they'll say that somebody. Somebody pray for me, and that somebody had the love of God. Because people know where you at. They know who you are. You're not fooling nobody. They know if you got the real love of God on you, or you just want to be famous. Amen. Let me get through here. Let me get through here. I'm I'm meddling too much. And he says, and I will love him, and that means that Lord will put all his love on you. Even in your adversities, he'll love you. Even in what you're going through, he'll love you. You'll know he loves you. I remember times in my life where I was so lonely, I would go in my prayer closet, and the Lord would have to say, I'm with you. He would whisper to me, literally whisper to me in my spirit, man, and say, I'm with you. They forsake you, but I'm with you. <laughs> we don't want to be in that place, but you're going to have to be that place. In order to get authority, you're going to have to be in the place that you get crushed. You got to be in a place that your friends are going to forsake you. Folks are going to walk away from you. People are not going to like you. They're going to talk about you. They're going to ridicule you. They're going to say you're not this and you're not that. And you're not talented enough. And you're not good enough. They're going to tell you all that kind of stuff. But if you model Christ, you'll find out you got to go through. That's where you get crushed at. The more crushing, the more oil is spilled. The more crushing in your life, the more oil is spilled. And when you stand up, what he has done to you in secret, he revealed openly. That's why it's always good to be crushed in the prayer closet. Folks don't want to get crushed. They don't want to know, I'm going to defend myself. I'm going to defend this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm not going to let them do this to me. Why not? If God is in it, then get crushed. You want an anointing, right? You want heaven and hell to recognize you, don't you? You got to hear what I said. You want heaven and hell to recognize you. You want heaven rec to recognize you because you're in the authority of God, and you want hell to recognize you because you have God's authority. <laughs> and then he says, and will manifest myself to him do you know what that means 
that means that he's going to literally reveal who he is and he's going to reveal himself to you. Do you know what God does when he reveals himself to you? You change again. <laughs> you know, some people, I had an encounter with God. I had an encounter with this. But they, you don't see a change. Listen, if Jesus appears, you're going to change. If Jesus manifests himself to you any kind of way, you're going to change. You're not going to be the same. You can't be the same. You're going to change. That's why I said that if you are praying, you're going to change. Something's got to happen to you. And why? And listen, far from me to say who's praying and who's not because I don't know. But I think everybody in here, including myself, need to analyze where our prayer lives. And when is the last time he manifests himself to you in your prayer life? Or has he ever? Yeah. Ain't nobody saying too much. But that's okay. All right. So. So the first thing is. Okay, I'm going to give you these four things, and I'm going to talk about each one of them just for a little bit, and then I'm gonna, we're going to let you go. Okay. The first flow is the authority in Christ. The authority in Christ has to do with intimacy. You have to be intimate, intimate with him. Otherwise, you cannot have authority in him. We know the story of the demoniac. I mean, the, the, the boy that was possessed with the demon. His disciples, Jesus' disciples, follow him, and they. <clears throat> Jesus takes the three um, um, main ones that was with him, and they went up to the mountain so he could transfigure. He was going to show them something. That's a different story. But as they were going forth, they encounter a man who has a son that's possessed with the devil. And they said, and the and the, the boy's father says. Um, my son's been possessed with the devil. How oh, can you cast him out? And sure, they would say, yeah, I, I, we can do that because we just cast out a bunch of devils over here. So they were all ready for it. But they didn't know they came into a, a place where they couldn't cast that devil out. Come out, no. <laughs> Come out, no. Come out, no. Jesus comes and he sees the scene because there's people around this, this, this boy that has a demon. And the disciples are creating a bigger mess. Instead of just stopping, they just come out. Oh! Jesus comes. And y'all know what I'm going to get ready to say. Y'all know I love it. He says, your disciples couldn't cast the demons, the demons out of the man. He said, bring him to me. Oh, I love it. <laughs> when he brings him to hill, he casts the devil out. When he casts the devil out, he comes out. The boy is normal, and his disciples are disturbed. They're disturbed because of the fact that they couldn't cast the devil out, and they had cast out devils before because the Bible said he gave them power over devils. This devil they encountered, they couldn't cast the devil out. That also tells you, and I'm not going to get into it, there's an order and ranks of demonic, in the demonic realm. Every realm that you go in, in the higher realm in God, there's a higher devil. 
that is assigned by the devil to your life to stop you. And so that that's and so you need to understand that. And they encountered a devil of a higher origin. You know, those low ranking devils come out. Oh, they out. This devil is 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 is, is, is staying there. And you gotta understand too, the reason one of the reasons why is because it was a young boy. You're not getting it. It's a young boy, which means that if he can get this boy and possess this boy, he'll be demon-possessed all of his life. I'm not getting that either. But what you, you, you find, he casts the devil out, and the disciples are disturbed at why they can't do it. He says, why couldn't they come to him secretly? And they says, Jesus, why couldn't we cast him out? Well, you know why? Because... You need to fast and pray. Most of when we read that scripture, we're thinking he's talking about, I'm going to fast like 21 days and then, uh, four, and, and then we're going to pray for uh, all these days and the devil's going to come out. The devil won't come out because of that. Not because you fasting for 21 days and all that. You know why the devil comes out? Because while you're fasting and praying, you're getting closer to him. And when you're getting more into his presence, the presence of God comes up on you and the oil is poured out because you're closer to him. So when you walk in a room, the enemy recognizes they've been with Jesus. They got the oil going on. The oil's on them. The anointing, the presence is on their life. So while you're praying and fasting, you're supposed to come into an intimate relationship with the Lord to the point where you know his heart and he knows your heart and you're exchanging and you actually become one. When you become one, the presence is one on you. How do you think that when in the book of Acts is that they're walking and, and Peter is, uh, you know, there was a progression of the anointing in the book of Acts. You have Peter and John talking about in the name of Jesus, come out uh, or, or walk. And the man that was sitting at the gate of beautiful, he, he got strength in his legs. He got out and, and, and came out by the name. Right? Then we find that the anointing increased because now what they're doing is they're going and they're laying people out. And the Bible says that the apostles are healing them all. Got it? They're laying hands on people and people are getting delivered and getting uh, healed and he's healing them all. Then they get to a place where now they take all the sick people and they lay it out. Least the shadow of Peter passes by. Which means is the glory is oozing out of him so much that his shadow includes the glory. And as the shadow passes, the people are healed. He's not saying anything. He's not saying in the name of Jesus, get up. He's just passing by. He's abiding in the realm of glory. There's a realm of glory that he's abiding in. The oil is so heavy on him, he don't need to say a word. It's the presence on him. It's so heavy, it's so heavy on him. He's getting healed. They're getting healed just by his presence. Do you know why? Because Peter is dying to him and living in Christ.
People know when you come in, they can tell you by your walk, they can tell by what you say, they can tell by how you walk, what you, you tippy toe or you heavy step, they can tell. And the devils can tell the presence as it comes in too. How does it happen? It happens because you become intimate with him. You come into, that's why he says close your closet. Because when you become intimate with him and you begin to reveal him your heart, because he's not one-sided, he will reveal to you his heart. And you recognize that guess what? His heart is better than my heart so I want to possess his heart. I want to be like him. We used to sing a song, I want to be like Jesus. On earth I alone to be like him. We used to sing that song. But we've forgotten that. I don't want to be me. I want to live in him and be like him. I want to live like him in, in love. I want to live like him in deed. I want to live like him in power. I want to live like him in thought. I want to live like him and who he is through and in me. I know this might be kind of bad to say, but if you've got your same personality, that's a problem. Just being honest, you know, I might not like it. That's fine. We have a problem if we're keeping our own personality. We're supposed to abide in him. And how do we become like him? We become like him as we communicate and we become intimate with him and we become like him in that. So that's the first thing. So when you become like him, authority in Christ, when you become like him, what you become like him in thought and deed and power. You understand the authority because you understand that your authority is in him. So the second step is spiritual authority through him. Okay? Spiritual authority through him. And so this is where we begin to, uh, to get into the place that we begin to become, we understand who we are and our uniqueness in him. Because every one of us, we possess a certain authority in certain areas, depending on what area God placed you in, you have authority. So turn to Ephesians chapter number four. I hope I'm helping somebody because I, I, I really feel very strongly about a lot of these areas that we're, we're f falling victim to. Verse number one, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you. That you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are what? Your call, which means your assignment, your particular place. Your place. With all what? Loneliness, meekness, with long-suffering, foreign, bearing one another, and what? Now, he talks about the calling, but then he talks about the character of the calling. Did y'all get that? He talks about the calling, but then he talks about the character of the calling. So let me tell you, 
every anointing, every place that God placed you in, you're going to have a character that has to be displayed. Your character is going to be sufficient for your anointing. Because your character and your anointing is supposed to glorify him. Not you. You're not the one that's famous. Amen. If God really wanted to, he could take away from you everything he gave you and give it to somebody else. He don't really need you that bad. He don't really need me that bad. He'll go in the drug house. He'll go in the back in the dungeon. He'll go downstairs in the basement and find the drug addict against the wall and pull him out and set him free and give him your assignment. We're not all that. So we ought to be, we ought to be glad that we're saved because he didn't have to do it, but he did. Help us, Jesus. Notice what it says. And what he says is that this anointing, this vocation that I have, this call that I have, is endeavoring to keep unity of faith in the bonds of peace. There, there is one body, one spirit, even if you are called in the one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. <laughs> One God and Father above all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. But has unto every one of us, he is given according to the measure of the gifts of Christ. Anybody understand that? So we have to understand that we, that that we have spiritual authority through him. First of all, you got to possess his mind, his heart, his attributes through intimacy. I need to be intimate with him. And then I must have his authority. Now, let me give you another one. First Kings 17 chapter. Chapter one. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitation of Galilee, says unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I what? Stand. Now, now notice what he says. You got you to look at what he's saying. He's just not saying, I'm just standing before the Lord. But that, 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 that actually means what he's doing is that I'm abiding in his presence consistently. If I, have, if I abide in his presence, I'm going to have his mind. I'm going to have his heart. I'm going to possess him. And I'm going to know his thoughts. And what he's going to do is he's going to give you access to your authority. So what does he do with Elijah. He said, and there shall not be, and he said, there shall not be dew nor rain these years according to 
Whose words? Whose words? Elijah were according to what I say. Because I've lived so much in the presence of God. I have been in his presence so much. I know his heart. I know his mind. And he trusts me with his word to use it right. Y'all didn't get it. Y'all did not get that. He says that I'm abiding in his presence so much. I know his mind. I know his heart. And I know what he wants to do. I know his purpose. I know what he wants to do in this region. And so he has given me the authority to speak when I say. <laughs> it's not going to rain, y'all. Y'all can say whatever y'all want to say. Y'all can bribe me. Bring me some of that bread. I'm still not going to say nothing. It's going to be based on what I said. Where did you get the authority from? Because I've been standing in his presence. See how that intimacy works? See the authority he has? He has the authority because he knows the word that he speaks is going to come to pass. Now turn to St. John chapter number 4. I'm going to have to hurry up. <laughs> I told you there's a lot to this. We want to call fire down from heaven. But we don't want to love our brother. We, wanna, we want to uh, preach to God's people, but we don't show up. Ain't nobody said nothing. It's still true. We want to heal the sick, but we don't have compassion. 